0: Earlier uh, this week, NBC News reported what they were calling a Christmas miracle. Did you hear about it? Uh, In fact, it made lots of different magazines and it spread it like wildfire across the internet. A young family uh, visiting Las Vegas for the season um, were in town for the Christmas break and they decided to do some sightseeing. And they decided to drive up from Las Vegas, up through uh, um, Bryce, Bryce Canyon National Park, and up to, um, what is that big thing called over there, the, 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 that giant thing that's hole in the middle? Nobody knows because you're Californians, you guys never leave San Diego. It's called the Grand Canyon, yes, the Grand Canyon, the Grand Canyon, yes, the Grand Canyon. So this family decided to take a trip to see the South Rim, I believe, no, the North Rim of the Grand Canyon, Bryce, uh, Bryce Canyon National Monument Park, and then um, up to the North Rim. A mother, a father, and a 10-year-old son, did you hear about it? Yes, somebody did. Okay, good. Uh, They punched in the coordinates on their GPS, and not being from the West Coast, not being from this part of the U.S., they just decided to trust uh, their navigation system. So on their way, on their way, uh, before Christmas, the the, the week leading up to Christmas, on their way... Uh, they came up to a road uh, that was actually closed for the season. Uh, it didn't show up in the GPS as closed. They came up to a, to a close a section of the road, and so they decided to follow the GPS and take an alternate route, which led them down a service road, a, a gravel service road. That you know that when it says recalculating, and then it tells you where to go next. And so they went down this gravel service road, uh, but before long, as snow started to fall, the road got a little bit dicey, a little bit slippery. If you're um, not familiar with Driving in the snow, it can be quite treacherous. And so, <clears throat> once it got a little bit too much for them, they decided to turn around and head back. But while turning around, the car began to slip and to slide and eventually fell into the embankment. There they were in the middle of the afternoon, mother, father, and 10 year old son, and the car was stuck. They just happened to be far enough to be out of cell uh, tower range and cell service. Of course, and so, uh, talking amongst themselves, they thought, okay, we're not, we can't call for help. Uh, we're, we don't know exactly where we are. Someone needs to go for help. The story is, a true story, uh, NBC News, uh, the story is that the father had recently been in an auto accident, so he wasn't quite up to health. So as they discussed it, mom decided that she would go she said I'm athletic I'm in good shape I have a parka a beanie and some Cheerios I'll be just fine I'll hike back up to the main road flag down a car and then we'll go get help and somebody will come and help us and so she began her journey parka beanie and a bag of Cheerios if you read the story, you know that as she began and made it up to the highway, or uh, made it up to what she thought was the, the main highway, it turns out it was a road that was closed. So no locals were passing through there. There was no traffic. She decided to keep going and try to find uh, as going back towards the town. But eventually, it got colder and colder as night fell upon her. Needing shelter, needing a place to hide, she hiked through the woods, and she tried to hide under trees. Having run out of Cheerios, she began to eat twigs uh, for sustenance and, and just getting snow in, in, uh, into her hands and into her mouth to keep her alive. If you've ever been in the deep packs snow, it's very difficult and it takes a lot uh, to, to, to wade your way through it. As the snow continued to fall, in one of those uh, movements, one of her shoes got stuck in the snow and as she pulled her foot out, lost the shoe you ever been to the snow, you know how easy this can take place. And then if you try to find it, you're not going to find it. It's gone. Uh, we've lost many a boot for my kids there. <laughs> um, and, and so this woman spent the night somewhere out in the snow. But in her mind and in her heart, she says she knew she had to keep going, knew she had to keep, keep, keep stepping, keep walking, keep fighting, because she did not want to leave her son without a mother. She said, I thought to myself, my son needs his mother. My husband needs her wife, his wife. I will not let my mom bury me. And so she kept fighting and kept walking, kept going, and kept walking. She walked for 26 miles over 36 hours until she found a small uh, outpost cabin uh, that is set up for rangers, and she broke in. Turns out, many, many hours before, her husband and son, waiting for her, and having her not return, decided to walk the opposite way and hit higher ground, caught cell phone service, and got rescued. But there they were in the hospital as they were rescued to take my ambulance, and mom was nowhere to be found for 36 hours. Luckily, uh, search teams were on the uh, the lookout, and somebody made it to this outpost, and they found her completely dehydrated, that toe's frostbitten. Um, So far, she hasn't lost any toes, according to the latest reports. And she was reunited with her family, and they're calling it the Christmas miracle. Uh, Last week in Vegas, the Christmas miracle. I was reading that story during the week and I began to think and wonder what was going through her mind when she decided she would be the one to go. Imagine yourself in a situation. You are in what looks like, you could be potentially the worst case scenario, stuck in the snow, no provisions, just a hoodie and a parka. Would you go? Would you leave? As they, th- as they talked, as they reasoned, she said, someone has to go get for help. No one's going to come get us. I will go. She said her husband had been in an accident. She thought, he can't make it. I will go. I will- Would you go? Would you leave your son, your husband? In the hopes, would you make the sacrifice? As she walked mile after mile, hour after hour, as she was thinking, as she was wrestling, she began to get uh, dehydrated and delirious, and she just kept trying to keep her mind about it. Would you go? Would you go that far? How far would you go for the ones that you love? Would you make that ultimate sacrifice? This past couple of weeks here in our community, we've been talking about love, specifically about the kind of love that is more than just an emotion, the kind of love that only God can share. I guess we're talking about our own version of the Christmas miracle. All over the country this last week, and even here we celebrated Christmas, perhaps you did around your loved ones and family and friends, as we gathered together and shared a meal, perhaps opened some presents. And although in the conversation of the community and our society, the season is just about gift-giving and family, you and I know that Christmas is about celebrating the one person who would make the ultimate sacrifice. The one who would go. The one who would leave everything behind and would go. The Bible tells us that Jesus Christ did not consider his heavenly riches and all his glory too much to give up. The Bible says that Jesus decided, and he, along with the Heavenly Father, decided that he would come and make the trip and make the sacrifice, leave the safety of the heavenly realms behind, and instead come to be born in a manger on a little quiet hill on a cold town because he loved us. But you know, the story and the miracle isn't, just that he came to be born in a manger the real miracle is why he came that he would come in the first place the bible tells us in the book of first john chapter 4 verse 9 and 10 it's in your bulletin that jesus loved us so much that he was willing to come for us when we did not deserve his visit in fact, it says, this is love. This is the author's words in 1 John chapter 4. This is love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. And the reason he's making this statement is because he wants us to understand the magnitude of the sacrifice. See, there's us, and then there's God creator of the universe there is you and me maybe we're important in our own minds or maybe we're important to our family but in the whole scheme of things we are just specks of dust right and yet the god of the universe considered us valuable so valuable in fact that he was willing to come and not just live among us but to take our place First John says, this is love. This is how we know what love is, that God would love us and send his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. That means that Jesus came to take our place and to pay the price that you and I were due to pay. That's the Christmas miracle. Not just that he was born in a manger surrounded by animals and shepherds. No, the Christmas miracle is that God loved you so much he was willing to go and make the ultimate sacrifice. He was willing to pay the price, whatever that may be, so that you wouldn't have to, so that I wouldn't have to. That's the Christmas miracle. And that's what we celebrate and remember today. The Bible tells us, in the book of John, <clears throat> the Jesus gathered with his disciples. Uh, you can look along there with me. It's found in John chapter um, <clears throat> John chapter twelve and thirteen. And beginning in chapter 13, the Bible tells us that Jesus and his disciples were gathered together to celebrate the Passover meal. If you're not Jewish, you wouldn't have known too much about this, but in the Jewish community, Passover is the most important day of the year, the most important holiday period of the year. In it, they celebrate their inheritance, something that we've been talking about there this year in 2016 here, where Jesus, in the form of a lamb and the blood of the lamb, gave them safe passage from death into life, from oppression into freedom. And they remember the day where the, uh, the Hebrew nation was uh, captive to the Egyptians. But on the night that God sent the plague of the angel of death, they put the blood of the lamb on the doorposts. And when the angel of death would come by, he would pass over their homes and not take their firstborn children. And ever since then, the Hebrew nation, the Israelites, the Jews have been celebrating the Passover as an expression of deliverance. That we are saved by the blood of the Lamb. And so Jesus and his disciples were preparing to celebrate this very unique holiday. And Jesus invites them into a place we call the Upper Room. It's there in chapter 13. I want you to read along with me. If you didn't bring a Bible, just pull up your smartphones if you have a Bible app. Well, there's a Bible in the pew right in front of you. And we'll read in John chapter 13. And this is what it says, verse one, thirteen. It was just before the Passover feast. And Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. And having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. See, Jesus came here as an expression of love. That's what motivates God. For God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. That's what is at the heart of God. It is love. It is not judgment. It is not punishment. It is not justice. It is love. And now Jesus is here amongst us, amongst his people. And the Bible tells us that he gathers his friends together, the disciples, and he wishes to show them the full extent of his love. Verse 2, the evening meal was being served... The devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon, to betray Jesus, you probably know that story. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning from God. So he got up from the meal and took off his outer jacket, wrapped a towel around his waist, and after that poured water into a basin. There's an important phrase here. Jesus is trying to uh, spend his last few moments sharing something, communicating something, explaining something, demonstrating something. He knows that his time on earth is coming to a close. So he's intent in making this message count. And the Bible says That as it's leading up to this moment, God had put all things under Jesus' power. That means that though he had lived in humility, a carpenter's son, a blue-collar worker for all of his life, as he was moving up and leading up to his ultimate sacrifice, power was returning to him. God was bringing the weight of the universe under the direction of Jesus Christ. The Bible tells us that it is by Jesus' word that the world was created. He is the agent of creation. And the one who created now is bound by creation itself, and yet the power is returning. And now Jesus, feeling the the, the preciousness of this moment and being full with this power, decides to do something with this power. And you know what he does? The Bible says he takes off his jacket. Puts a towel around his waist, pours water in a little bucket, little basin, and then he kneels down and begins to wash the ugly, stanky, dirty feet of his disciples. If you didn't know it, they walked with sandals and there were no paved roads. Um, We talked about this last year. (laughs) We went to India last year, about this time we were returning. And when I think of India, I think a lot of what it would be like uh, for Jesus to watch the kind of dirty feet that people have when they walk in India. Uh, As Jason so graphically described for us a few weeks ago, people do all kinds of things on the road in India where there's no plumbing. And there's just dirt and hay and just dirtiness. And feet are dirty. And it was customary for when you went to visit someone, a servant, someone of the lowest, lowest places on the socioeconomic uh, uh, structure would come in and they would have to wash people's feet and keep them clean in order to eat together. But on this particular moment, Jesus decides to occupy that place. Do you see the contrast here? We have the creator of the universe, now bound by creation, but even that is not low enough for him. He is not satisfied with simply being one of us. In this moment, re- feeling the power returning to him, in this moment, this last precious moment, his disciples, feeling all this overwhelming power coming to him, knowing his purpose, Jesus says, It is not enough for me just to simply be among you. And he, without words, takes the lowest place amongst his friends. The Bible says that he took off his coat and then, taking a basin, Begin to wash his disciples' feet one by one. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine doing that? Maybe at work or at a Christmas dinner with your family and friends? Can you imagine just taking off your jacket and washing people's feet? Today's feet today's people's feet are fairly clean you probably took a bath sometime in the last few days I don't know (laughs) usually when people know it's communion they go extra careful around the toenails and but some of y'all didn't know so but mostly you're clean you didn't walk on dirt you have socks and shoes but can you imagine doing that Maybe this is not something that we could relate to, but could you imagine being in a a group of friends or coworkers and and having risen to the top of the ladder, having become the manager, having become the leader, having become the popular one, deciding at that moment, you know what, I'm going to lower myself. I'm going to humble myself and occupy a different place. That's what Jesus does. Do you know why? Because by the time he's hanging out with his disciples, having lived three, three and a half years with them, they still don't get it. That Jesus did not come to glorify himself. He didn't come. The great crystal miracle is that he didn't come here to have you pat him on the back. He didn't come for you to come to here, worship him and bring him those gifts. That was not his reason. That happened at the manger, but that's not why he came. The reason Jesus came to earth was to die on the cross that was his purpose John says as an atoning sacrifice as an at one sacrifice as the one that brings us back and makes us at one with God for before that we were at war with God there was enmity the Bible says there was division between us and the father and God would not leave it alone and he sent his son To die on the cross. And Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. Come back to the Father through me. Through me. And though he'd been preaching and saying that to his disciples, they didn't get it. They kept thinking that Jesus had come to make them wealthier and more important. That Jesus had come to restore their pride and their national uh, civic pride. But Jesus didn't come for that. So in this last moment, having the power and the authority to do whatever he wanted, Jesus said, I will be a servant. I will humble and I will, dare say, humiliate myself. I know this because as he's making his way to Peter, Peter says, don't you touch me. This is beneath you, Jesus. You should not do that. And Jesus says, you don't understand. Peter saw a man who was being humiliated, but Jesus humbled himself. Very different. Jesus said, I have come to serve, not be served. Friends, the invitation Jesus makes is to return to the Father through his sacrifice, but also to take up his cause. And do you know what his cause is upon the earth for you and for me? It is to do like he did, to love others to willingly step down a notch in order to serve others. In a society, in a culture where everyone tries to get to the top, in a society, a culture where we're ripping each other to try to make ourselves feel better, where we're constantly trying to belittle others. By the way, this is the culture that you're in. This is the climate that we're in. Name-calling, complaining, blasting, throwing shade, right? That's a thing. Is it like th- I don't know what that is. <laughs> That's what the world is about. Jesus says, no, I invite you to do differently. I invite you to sacrifice, to humble service. That's what we celebrate today. It is not a glorious thing. It is not filled with pomp and circumstance or applause. But it is filled with love. For love would go to any length, and Jesus was willing to go to any length. The Bible tells us that he washed the disciples' feet and he even washed Judas' feet. Even the one who stabbed him in the back, figuratively. Jesus did not select, I will be good to my friends. Okay, John, Peter, you guys, but the rest of you guys don't. Jesus brought his love and his grace for everyone, he made no exceptions because his love is unconditional. And today he invites us to participate and commemorate that love. In just a few moments here, I'm gonna invite you. I know some of you are visiting, some of you are guests, but you're welcome to participate with us. In the social hall, which is the room directly behind this building, we've set up towels, basins, and hot water. And there'll be attendants there helping. And we invite you to take your friends, your family, maybe somebody that you need to be at one with, someone that you need to reconcile with, someone you need to ask forgiveness of, or someone you need to forgive. And take this moment. Rather than hold your position and your right to be right, let's humble ourselves. Let's follow in Jesus' example. And although it's just a symbol, let's take this opportunity to live this kind of love as we wash one another's feet. When the foot washing is done, we will return back to the sanctuary and fill the seats again to participate in communion, the bread and the juice. But for now, let's let our hands and our feet and our mouths do what Jesus did. Let us humbly serve one another.